Well, good morning. I'm Bishop Robert. Come on in and have a seat in my study. Let's you and I spend a few minutes together and consider a verse of Scripture. My hope is that it speaks to your heart, your mind, and your soul. And I hope you'll be back often. Welcome. As we go through life, we all end up learning many lessons. You've likely heard it said that some lessons need to be learned the hard way. While that's likely true, given our natural bent to be some combination of stubborn and stupid from time to time, it's also true that there are some lessons you definitely don't want to learn the hard way. The toughest part is figuring out what those lessons are in time. Some of life's lessons can be quite a shock. As a child, my wife Pat used a metal fork to try and get a piece of toast out of a toaster because she had seen her father do it. What she had not noticed was that he always unplugged the toaster first. She didn't and was literally tossed across the room by the electric charge. As a young father, I learned to always change my boys' diapers quickly because they will pee on you. And I admit, I didn't learn it the first time. I should have, but I didn't. Along similar lines, I learned while going through the police academy that after training with pepper spray, you should thoroughly wash your hands before using the bathroom. For part of the time when our kids were growing up, we lived on a farm. One of my sons thought that being three times larger than a chicken gave him an advantage over it. He was wrong. We also learned that Legos will pass through the digestive tract of a child. Not comfortably, but they will. We learned that ceiling fans will not support a boy with a Superman cape who wants to fly. We learned that by the time you hear the words, uh-oh, after the flush of a toilet, it's already too late. Those lessons are all best learned from someone else's mistakes. But today's verse prevents... But today's verse presents some lessons that we can only learn on our own. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Perhaps the first lesson we ought to learn from this verse is one of logic. Believing something doesn't make it true. Neither intensity of belief nor longevity of belief creates truth. I mean, it literally doesn't matter how long you've believed something. What you do or do not believe will not change its nature. The inverse of that logic is also flawless. Refusing to believe something cannot make it false. Your belief, or lack thereof, is simply not a factor. God truly is God. He is. His very name proclaims his existence, for he told Moses that his name was I am that I am. He is. He always has been. He always will be. God says that plainly and clearly about himself. He also makes it clear that he is the only one. As God, he's the source and the sustenance of your life. And because he's a loving God, he reveals himself and draws us into a relationship. 
The second lesson we can draw from today's verse is that the God can become your God. This is where your choice to believe or not to believe can affect something. Because it's your choice to place your faith in him that determines the nature of your relationship with God. Once you've made the second part of the verse true, once you can say, you are my God, then the first part of the verse can begin to impact your life. Once the lordship relationship is established, God will continually lead you by his word and his spirit into deeper truth. And as you continue to embrace his truth, it becomes part of your inner nature. God tells us not to be conformed to the world and its ways, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That transformation enables us to test the claims of things in light of God's word and thereby discern what is truly good. <laughs> good. <laughs> the world is good at giving advice, except the stances they hold and, and the things they espouse as good continue to change. They'll tell you, do whatever makes you happy. But not everything that will make you happy is good or moral. So they continue to redefine good until it's measured only by the pleasure that it's intended to give. God defines good too. His word counsels us to focus on whatever is true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, to think about that those things. That that's how we end up with lives filled with true inner peace. You cannot have the peace of God unless you follow the God of peace. But when you do, his peace that surpasses all understanding guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The world will proclaim arbitrary rules and then undermine those same rules in the same breath. I found an incredibly sad example of this on a dating advice site. It said, don't date co-workers, ever. Okay, that's clear. Then the next point says, obviously, there are some exceptions to this. Wait, what? So, so we end up with a non-rule that, that's useless. Don't date co-workers, ever, except sometimes. <laughs> and deciding whether the sometimes is this time, is totally controlled by your emotions. <laughs> oh, that's reliable. Well, a third lesson we can pull from today's verse is that when God sets his boundaries, they have purpose and meaning, even if you can't comprehend either one yet. But our lack of understanding doesn't negate the value of the rule. God never says something like, don't commit murder. Ever, except sometimes. <laughs> His rules protect us, even when we don't understand why or from what we're being protected. His rules don't change, because he doesn't. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. When the goalposts keep being repositioned, you can never win the game. In the eyes of the world, you'll never be rich enough or 
strong enough or thin enough or fill in your own characteristic enough. God says he is enough. And then he makes you into who he created you to be. The final lesson we'll talk about together this morning is this. God's purpose in teaching you his will is so that you will do it, not just know it. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to do his will, employing the gifts, talents, and abilities that he's given us. When we do what he's called us to do, it advances his kingdom. Our doing good will silence the ignorance of foolish people. They'll see the fruit of his life and ours and, and how it transforms us. The most important thing to do is to submit to his lordship in your life. Because, as I said, it's your choice to place your faith in him that determines the nature of your relationship with God. And that determines your eternity. If you do not embrace his offer of life, you'll remain dead in your trespasses and sin. Don't try to enter eternity until you can say, the God is my God. That's not a lesson you want to learn the hard way. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Hey, thanks for joining me today on Mornings with Bishop Robert. I hope you're enjoying spending a few minutes together as we share conversations that illustrate insights and truth from God's Word. Would you consider sharing these conversations with your family and friends? They'll be glad you did. On our website, ceec.church, today's devotional is available to be read in 17 languages. Just click Choose your language down at the bottom and have at it. And if you've got a prayer need, just send me an email. You can reach me at robert at bishoprobert.com. Now, until we get together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come upon you and remain with you. Amen. <music>